Father, we thank you today that you are God who speaks. That you're not 100 miles away, that you are not distant. That, God, you are intimately concerned about every detail in our life. And so, Father, I thank you today that you speak to us. You have spoken from the very beginning. You will speak through to the very end. And so, Lord, it's up to us to decide, will we hear your voice? Will we quiet our lives down enough to be able to hear when you speak our name? Lord, draw us into that today as we look into your word and find the truth of Scripture, Lord. Remind us of that throughout this week, that you are God who speaks. Will we listen? God, your voice is worth following. Amen. All right, was that awkward or what? Wow. Sometimes in my life, I know when there's like weird, awkward silence like that, then it like gets my attention because I'm running at such a pace and life is so noisy and static. And and then when it all gets quiet, I'm like, what went wrong? Like, this is awkward. Like, is he supposed to do that on stage? Like, did something happen to his mic? Does he not have his notes ready? Like, it just is awkward, right? And sometimes we just have that difficulty hearing, and so we need some intentional silence. So I want to welcome everybody to Plum Creek this morning. It's great. The fall season has come. It's college football weather. Man, this is great weather, isn't it? And then I want to welcome everybody online and people who are going to be listening later to this message. So when it is difficult to hear, it is also very difficult to follow. Difficult to participate in social activities, it's hard to understand, tough to engage. It gets embarrassing at times to participate when we can't hear a voice, from ordering at a restaurant to hearing this sermon this morning, to having a simple conversation, to even signs of loneliness. Being able to hear well is vitally important to physical and emotional health and well-being and for thriving in life. When I can hear, I can understand. When I hear a voice clearly, I know what is expected. I'm not left out. I can easily follow. If we are not able to hear God, it is easy to feel like we've become isolated, distant, confused. If I can't hear God, I can't follow him. God's voice is worth following. So take your Bibles this morning and turn to Exodus chapter 3, or take your smartphone, swipe over to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to look at the life of Moses and one encounter that he has with a burning bush out in the middle of nowhere, out in the middle of the Middle East. We have this story, but before we look in chapter 3, we got to go back to chapter 2 and kind of look at Moses' resume. We got to understand what is going on in chapter two to get the whole drama that's laying out in chapter three. So I'm going to kind of fast track through chapter chapter two. So get ready. Here we go. First of all, Moses was born into a Hebrew family. He's adopted by Pharaoh's daughter where he grows up. Remember the story of Moses like being put in the basket and drifting down the river and Moses' daughter's like, oh my gosh, look at this little baby in this basket. Like, I love this kid. I'm going to adopt him, right? And as an adult, Moses grows up in, in the Egyptian. He's now the prince of Egypt. Moses encounters an Egyptian master who's beating one of Moses' peeps, one of Moses' Hebrew people, right? He is filled with rage and Moses kills that Egyptian officer which is punishable now by death. 
Moses flees for his life and ends up in the land of Midian where he counters Jethro and his family. And no, this is not like a 1960s you know, rendition of the Beverly Hillbillies. He encounters Jethro and his family who's out in the middle of Midian. Moses marries one of Jethro's daughters and begins a life as a shepherd. Wow, let's stop there. Can you imagine Moses being interviewed for a job? with this kind of resume? Can you imagine Moses' LinkedIn, his profile? So let me ask you this morning, let's just be really transparent. How many of you follow the royal family? Some of your guys are like, I follow, but I'm not going to raise my hand. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, like when Princess Diana got married, and we went over to my grandpa's house because he had this big, huge, ginormous Curtis Mathis colored TV, and we watched this whole wedding play out, and the carriage comes up, and Prince Charles and Princess Diana get out, and they walk up the steps, right, and they get married, and we followed it, right? We follow that, and, and Queen Elizabeth, just her passing over the last couple of weeks, we follow that, we watch, it was all over TV. But imagine like this is playing out today, and Moses is in front of an interviewer, and so they begin the question, so you were adopted by Princess Diana to live in Buckingham Palace. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. So you had access to Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip. I mean, you get all this royal stuff in your life. Like you've got this cottage and you've got, probably got a castle out in Scotland somewhere. And man, you get everything taken care of. <clears throat> Why did you leave a lifestyle like that? Well, I, I get really mad at one of my coworkers and, and uh, I killed him. Okay. And then you took a job on a little farm in Nebraska to raise sheep. I'm from Nebraska, so I can say this. Yes, I took a job to raise sheep. And, and you've been doing this now for many years. Like you were the prince of Egypt. Let me understand. You're the prince of Egypt, and now you're a shepherd. Like they're following, like these are some of the dumbest animals on the planet, and that's now what you're doing, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, you're unqualified. You're unqualified. We don't know what was going through Moses' mind, but we, knew, what we knew know, do know because Scripture tells us that day after day he led sheep into pasture and they followed his voice. That's the role of a shepherd, right? They take sheep out into the pasture and day after day those sheep become accustomed to that shepherd's voice and they listen and they follow. And we know this by Exodus chapter 2, verse 22 and 23. Moses says this after the birth of his son, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. I am lost. I'm struggling. Like I'm out here in the middle of nowhere and I don't know what I'm doing. I don't really know what my purpose is. I become a foreigner in a foreign land. And then it goes on to say that many years have passed and Moses is asking the question that I think many of us have asked or are asking in our life, what am I doing? Like what is my purpose? Like what does God have me on this earth for? I don't understand what's going on. And day in and day out, Moses goes out and leads sheep to pasture. And day in and day out, he thinks about his past. He thinks about his future, just like you and I, his hopes, his dreams, his family, his purpose. I had it all. And now I'm out in the middle of this Midian desert kicking sheep. And I hate my job. And I wonder if God was trying to talk to Moses 
but Moses couldn't hear because of his past mistakes. And I wonder, I wonder if God is trying to talk to you and I this morning, but we can't hear him because of our past mistakes. You see, they keep replaying in our mind, and we keep listening to those voices. We keep listening to that moment when we were told we were worthless, we were unqualified, that we would never match up. We, re we replay those moments in our life when maybe we were out of work, or our marriage went into crisis, or our kids are no longer following Jesus, and we're wondering if they're ever going to come back home. And the enemy of our soul is the loudest voice in our life. And we sit there in bed at night and we just replay the voices of our day, replaying those things of past mistakes and listening and wondering, just like Moses, I wonder, I wonder. And I wonder if God is trying to talk to Moses, but he is suffocated by his current status, his current life. It feels very endless and mundane. And I wonder if God is trying to talk to you and I, but we are suffocated by our current status, by our current life, and it feels mundane and endless. We can identify with Moses. The story that happened almost 4,000 years ago now is on the front step of our home, is on the front step of our life because we can identify of moments in our life where we couldn't hear from God or we, maybe we wouldn't hear from God. We chose not to listen to his voice and we just feel like we're out in the middle of this desert, lost, a foreigner in a foreign land. But look what happens in chapter 3. God's voice is worth following. Look what happens in, in chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. That says something right there in this story. Moses is tired of the mundane. And I'm going as far out as I can. And these sheep are going to follow me because they know me. And I'm going to take them to a place they've never been. And so Moses takes his sheep out to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that it was, the bush was on fire, but it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, huh, I'm going to go over and see what's going on. This is pretty strange. I haven't seen this before, and I know this land pretty well. So why the bush doesn't burn up, I'm going to go find out. So when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. Now, there's something significant about fire in these verses. In fact, it's mentioned five times different ideas of flame and burning and things that are burning up but not being consumed. And I think what God is saying to Moses and what God is saying to us today is, I have the power to consume every bush on this mountain and your livelihood would be destroyed, but I'm consuming one and it's not burning up. There's one bush that's on fire, and it's not being consumed. And man, if this countryside gets caught on fire, I'm going to have to even go farther out. Like, my livelihood is destroyed. What am I going to do when I get back at the tent tonight and talk to Jethro and go, yeah, there was a fire, everything consumed. I don't know what we're going to do now. 
But God doesn't. He consumes one bush, and he's getting Moses' attention because I think God wants to say this to Moses and to you and I today. I want to consume your life. I want to refine you to burn the junk that is tripping you up. Why? Because I want you to listen to me. I want to get all the junk out of your life so that you will follow me, that you will trust me, that you will listen to me. Because God's word, God's voice is worth following. And then the last verse I think is so significant, and I don't want us to miss this. Here's, here's what God is saying, and this is so important. I don't want us to miss this in the story. God did not say to Moses, hey, shepherd, hey, farmer. God didn't text Moses, right? God didn't Instagram Moses. God didn't say, hey, man, or Jethro's son, or former prince of Egypt. And today, God doesn't say CEO, coach, teacher, nurse, mom, dad, college student, athlete, high schooler, middle schooler, kid. God calls us by name. God called and said, Moses, Moses. God speaks your name. He knows you. He has formed you in the womb, and he knew you before you were born. He knows your hurts. He knows your pains, your nightmares, your anxiety, your depression, your secret sins, and he calls you by name. Don't miss that in the story. God understands. He knows what you are going through. He is not distant. He's not 100 miles away. He speaks your name constantly, 24-7, all day long. God is speaking your name, and if we listen to him, Our lives will be changed. God's voice is worth following. In Exodus 3, 5, it says, now Moses is saying, okay, I hear this voice coming from this bush that's not being consumed, and he he just spoke my name. I'm not sure what's going on. But Moses says, here I am. And now God introduces himself in verse 5. So God says, Moses, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then God says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God introduces himself, but before he tells him who he is, he says to Moses, I want you to take your sandals off. Like you come into my house, you take your shoes off, right? There's an action tied to a response. Take your shoes off, Moses. You've now entered into holy ground. Like this is now the temple of God around this bush. And I want you to take your shoes off. It's a sacred response that God is asking of Moses. And God is saying the same thing to us today. I want you to be intentional when it comes to listening and hearing my voice. I want you to be intentional. I want, you to, I want there to be an action tied to response. I want you to, to take this serious. I want you to find a quiet place, and I want you to listen to me. I want you to take the time to do this right. Then there's this monologue with God to Moses. Can you imagine this? Now God begins to unpack all that is going on 100 miles away in Egypt. He begins to speak to Moses. Moses, I have seen what is going on in Egypt. I have seen what's going on with your family, with your extended family. You're Hebrew. I understand what's going on with your friends, the guys that you spent time with, right? I understand what's going on with your people. 
I understand that they're under slavery and here's what's happening to them. I hear their voices. I hear them crying out. God begins to share the details. And in verse 10, God says this to Moses. I hear all of this, Moses, and guess what? You're the guy. You're the guy. You're the guy that I'm choosing to go make a difference. You will make a difference in your family. You will make a difference in your community. You will make a difference in this valley when you listen to the voice of God. And so in Exodus 3, 11 and 12, look what it says. It says, Moses is so excited and he runs to Egypt. No, right? He's disqualified. He's unqualified. Moses is a shepherd, right? He is hiding. He is hiding out. He's like, the last place I want to go is Cairo, Egypt. I don't want to go back there. Like, God, I want you to go into Cairo, and I want you to go downtown Cairo, and I want you to go into the post office, and in that post office, you're going to see me holding a number, and there's a snapshot of this way, and then there's one of this way, because I killed a guy. Do you not remember the story, God? And you're asking me to go back there? That's crazy. And here's what Moses says. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you. Moses is saying, I've just seen the burning bush. It's not getting burned up. God calls me by name. God speaks to me about my past. God calls me out of the mundane into a movement. And Moses begins to give excuses of why he's not the guy. And guess what? We are just like Moses today. We give all kinds of excuses because guess what? If I listen to the voice of God and he speaks to me in the car, I might have to actually stop in the driveway and then I might, God may call me to like walk over to my neighbor and begin to tell him about Jesus. And if that's the case, guess what? Then all the block parties change. Oh my goodness, here comes Kip and he's that religious guy who talked to me about God and now I can't cuss anymore and got to put my Miller lights away because he's probably religious, he doesn't drink, you know, or maybe if he does, he doesn't drink with us, right? And then it changes the whole dialogue. And I think most of us, and I've been there too, man, I don't know if I want to hear the voice of God in my life. He may ask me to do some crazy stuff, and I don't know if I'm ready to do that. And so maybe I like the idea of you know, listening to worship and listening to Pastor Doug at Plum Creek, but really like to ask God through the week to do something, and he might ask me to do something nuts. And so Moses begins to give excuses, and Moses begins to say, man, I, God, I, I listen, but I'm not hearing. I want to follow you, but I actually I don't, because our lives are full of excuses. I had the opportunity a couple years ago to go down to the island of Trinidad. Trinidad and Tobago set in the southern Caribbean ocean, or down in the Caribbean. And I'm like, well, if God is speaking and I need to go, I guess I'll go to the Caribbean, right? Somebody's got to do it. I guess I'll go. And it's down there where, I mean, it's, it's just some of the beautiful places on, in the world. I mean, it's where Pirates of the Caribbean was filmed. And we were down there in Trinidad, and I got the opportunity to speak at a couple churches and meet several of the pastors down there on the island. And as we were driving around one of the cities, 
the, the lead pastor of this one church said, man, look over there. Did you see that guy over there? And there's this guy over there, and he's just kind of walking around on the streets, and he's just mumbling. He's got gym shorts that are tattered, don't really fit. His hair's just a mess. He's dirty. And the pastor said, that guy used to be one of the most successful men on this island. But you know what happened? He started listening to the enemy of his soul. Now that guy's demon-possessed. He walks around, left his family, and he just mutters. And the enemy of his soul is take possession of it. And as we began to drive around different cities, going to different churches, we began to see people on the streets just walking around like zombies. And the pastor said, yep, those guys are like possessed, like those women are possessed. And, and they've, they've opened their life up to something else, to other outside voices. And the enemy came in and took over. And so as we're driving, I said, why don't we see something like this in the United States? Like this, we, we don't see this kind of possession like in the United States, like you guys are seeing down here. Like why doesn't that happen? And without hesitation, the lead pastor of this church said, because you guys are already preoccupied. Down here where it's poor, where we don't have all the distractions, Satan takes his gloves off and he just comes at us direct. But in your country, you're so distracted. He doesn't have to worry about it. You're already 100 miles from God. You can't hear God's voice. You're so distant. You're so distracted. You're on your phones. You're running to the next. You're going at a speed that is not sustainable and Satan knows it and he's just throwing more at you. And he's throwing more at you. So you get distracted. And then in verse 13, Moses come back and said, okay, God, you've answered that excuse. Moses says again, but God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. What am I supposed to say? Like, if you want me to do this, God, and I go to them, I go to the leaders of the children of Israel and say to them, hey, God has sent me to you, and they ask me, well, what's his name? How do you know God? Like, this is crazy. You're telling me that you had communion, like you, had a, you have a relationship with God, and he told you this? Well, what am I supposed to tell him, God? And God says to Moses, you tell him this. You tell him that I am the Yahweh of the Old Testament has sent me to you. Yahweh means it is the name of God, and it means from the beginning, before the beginning of time, to way after the end of time. In other words, God is saying, I am. I was here before, I'm here during, and I'm here after. And you tell him that Yahweh has sent me to you. And all of Moses' questions don't quite make sense and become wearisome. And God hears them and patiently responds to them. But... God does not let Moses off the hook. All these excuses come to God, and God goes, oh, no, you're still the guy. Yeah, but God, no, you're still the guy. Well, yeah, but uh, no, Moses, you're the guy. I'm calling you, and if you listen to my voice, I will be with you. Moses, if you listen to me, I will point your feet in a way 
that will change your life. And God does not let Moses off the hook. The objections are heard and then met with a divine promise. And get this, write this down, get this, folks. The fear from the past is not allowed to stop the redemptive promise of the future. Boom. We need to hear that this morning. You and I need to hear that this morning, that the redemptive that the fear from the past is not allowed to steal the redemptive promise of the future. The things that you have done in the past, God knows about. He's seen it. He was there. But listen, that will not define you. It will refine your life. Because when you come up against past mistakes that the enemy begins to speak to you about and say, you're unqualified, you're disqualified, you can't do this, God's not going to use you, you can't hear God because of your past mistakes. God's going to say, I'm going to turn all that around. I'm going to turn all that darkness around and bring it into the light. And you're going to have amazing impact in the life of someone that goes, you don't understand. And you go, oh, yes, I do. Because I was there. I've been through anxiety. I've been through depression. And I know what you're walking through. I know what it's like to be out of work for months and wonder if God is hearing your voice. And God will redeem your past and redeem it with the promise of the future. And that's what he does for Moses. So in verse 16, after God says, okay, Moses, you're the guy. Verse 16 says this, go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what you have done. I have seen what has been done to you. God's voice is worth following. You see, it's worth following because God is saying, I watched you. I've seen what is going on. I have been there. I have been there with you. What began as just another day doing the same old thing with Moses turned out to be an absolutely new life for Moses. God took Moses' feet and heart and went, boop. I'm gonna change your life. Moses, I'm going to point your feet in a new direction. The old life of shepherding was ended. The new life of a deliverer was beginning. This pivot was entirely dependent on the simple fact of God speaking and Moses following. If God's voice is worth following, and, th and this, is, this is the drop on the paper for all of us in this room today, everybody online, we're all thinking the same thing. I'm asking the same question. If God's voice is worth following and it will change my life, and there's a promise over and over in Scripture that it will change my life if I listen to the voice of God, then how do I do it? How do I listen to the voice of God? There's three things I want to give you today. I preached in Texas, and we always have three things. Doesn't matter. In every outline you go in any church in Texas, they're going to tell you three things you got to do. Here they are. Be silent, be willing, be ready. Those are easy to remember. The first one is tough, and I don't have it down. I'm an impatient person, and to be silent makes, me, makes it feel like I've, I've wasted some time or I should be doing something, right? It's like that restlessness. At the beginning of this message, when it was silent, we all were like, man, this is, this is uncomfortable. This is awkward. What's going on? But the first is to be silent. 
in the car, the house, the back porch, the couch. We need to find quiet. We've got to be intentional. We've got to work hard at finding the quiet in our life. And when we do, we can hear the voice of God call our name. C.S. Lewis writes, the moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and all your hopes for the day, and maybe you could put in there, and all your kids come rushing at you like wild animals, right? I got to get to school. I got to do this. I forgot this. I got I all these hopes and dreams, and they rush at you like wild animals. But C.S. Lewis says this, the first job each morning consists in shoving it all back. Push it back. And listen to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other, larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing through. We got to push it back, people, and listen to that voice of God in the morning. We need to say, speak, God. Your voice, your servant is listening. So the second thing is be willing. Be willing. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Last week, Pastor Doug gave us a wallpaper challenge. That doesn't mean you go and go get buy some wallpaper and put it up. No, it's actually on your phone, your laptops. The wallpaper challenge, take a picture of that QR code. Put it on your phone. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So I had worked this week down in Colorado Springs, and on my way back, I began to test that and just go, okay, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And I shut off my 80s pop rock, which is so difficult. I love 80s pop rock. But I shut it down and I said, okay, God, speak. And he knew what? He began to speak. And he began to tell me things like, you're doing a good job as a dad. And you're doing a good job in these parts of areas of your life. And here's some things you need to think about. And God began to speak. Because sometimes the other voice, the counterfeit voice, and dad, some of you are with me here today. You're tracking with me. Some of those voices, mom and dads, you kind of go, man, I, I don't think I'm doing a very good job as a dad. I don't think I'm doing a very good job as a mom. My son plays for the University of Northern Colorado. Last night I had a big UNC shirt on and we represent... And he plays for the University of Northern Colorado. And a couple weeks ago, we went up to his game and all the team ran out, you know, through the big inflatable thing, the big inflatable bear. And it was cool to see number 96 run out. I'm so proud of him. And all the players run out. And then after a while, you know, I was watching some other parts of the stadium. And I look back and I'm like, where's number 96? Where's Micah? Where's my son? And my wife and I are kind of looking around. And then we looked way down at the end of the end zone. And there's seven players that have knelt down and are just praying. And it was kind of like God saying, you're doing a good job as a dad. Your son is listening to the voice of God and just saying, God, take this game. Allow it to be a great game. Those are the kind of things God wants to tell you. The third thing is to be ready. Be ready. If you ask God to speak, be ready. He's going to start talking. He's going to start repeating your name. He's going to get your attention. Be ready to speak. Be ready to listen. God will speak. And you have to ask the question, am I ready to listen and follow? It may be the next time you're in target, God may speak and say, hey, yes, 
turn around and tell the person behind you that God loves them. They might have had a rough day. They might have had a rough week. Turn around and just tell them that God loves them. Maybe it's in the gas line or grocery line or Starbucks. You pick up the bill, and when the person says thank you, you just turn around and go, hey, God told me to do this. God spoke to me while I was in line, and he told me to pay for your bill. That'll blow somebody's mind. It's practicing the small things and listening to the voice of God. Maybe it's at night with your kids. You sit down on your daughter's bed, and you just ask God to speak And then you begin to tell them what God tells you. That'll change your kid's life. And maybe, just maybe, if you want your marriage to change, you say to God, God, speak to me about my spouse. And you go and tell them what God told you. Marriages across this valley will begin to change. Families will begin to change. Neighborhoods will begin to change. Our city will begin to change when we listen to the voice of God. God's voice is worth following. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that you are the God who speaks. You are the God that is, again, you're not distant. You've not shut us down. You've not said, because of the mistakes of your past, I'm not going to talk to you any longer but you rescue, rescue us out of that, out of those nightmares, out of that anxiety, out of that darkness, into the light, and you tell us, I will redeem your life for a purpose. And so God, speak to us this week. Your voice is worth following. And Lord, I know in my life there are times when I don't do it, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've gotten so hung up in whatever is next and running so hard that I've missed, I've detoured the plans that you have. And so, Father, I just say today, I'm sorry. I want to listen to your voice. It will change my life. Amen.